Thank you for joining the podcast. I do realize there are so many options available and the fact that you chose to listen to this podcast means a lot to me. My name is Sharon Feckety. I am the host of the Dr. Whisperer Show. I am also the founder of the Dr. Whisperer. So basically, I am the Dr. Whisperer. We are going to navigate through the business of medicine together. We're going to feature some doctors, some healthcare attorneys, some patients, some practice managers, people that will help you navigate through this industry. So thanks for joining us. If you are enjoying the podcast and you think somebody else could benefit from it, share it with them or write a review or both. Thanks again. 2021, we're coming for you and we're going to get through this together. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Whisperer Show. I am the Dr. Whisperer, Sharon Feckety, and I am very excited that you all have the great pleasure of meeting the one and only Jeff Goodis. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Sharon. I appreciate it. I, I, I am the one and only, but that's just because I'm the only Jeff Goodis. My parents named Jeff Goodis. <laughs> Well, I want to tell everybody a little story before I let you share with all of us all the changes that have happened since I saw you last. What can happen in a pandemic is quite amazing, Jeff. So I met um, this amazing attorney that we are talking to today, trial practice attorney, and then some. When I was in a, a medical practice many moons ago, and there was a little trouble going on in this practice. And I met this gentleman and I've never looked back. If anybody has asked me through the years, who is the best? I've always said Jeff Goodis. And I'm not just saying that because he's here. Um, I don't blow smoke and he knows that about me. And I know that about him. But he taught me in a very, very important lesson that I'm going to teach all of you before he does all of the talking through the show. And that is the acronym ATFQ. I love that there's a little smile happening there <laughs> across the Zoom. So I didn't understand right away. You know, Jeff was saying, listen, you got these doctors, Sharon, and I'm really, at the end of the day, all I need for them to do is answer the fucking question. Now, I have used that line since I met you, Jeff. I still, I, use it. I still use it too. It's so effective. Not that that works with doctors at times, I will say, even if we tell them ATFQ, you might get a story. But anyway, I need to tell that story before because that was probably the best thing that you could have taught me and could have taught the physicians that I was working with. And I have only um, thought so extremely highly about you. I'm going to blow just a little more smoke before we go um, into learning more about your practice and what you're currently doing. But I knew that this man that we're talking to today had incredible integrity because he was so emotional um, trying to protect these physicians that were, in my opinion, not in the wrong. And um, it, th that feeling never left me, right? I think it was Maya Angelou that said, people will remember, I always screw up a slogan, Jeff, help me out with this one. They'll always remember or forget what you said, but nobody will ever forget how they made you feel. And I never forgot how you made me feel that day, nor did the doctors. So with that, Jeff, let's have a conversation about who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, I, let me start by saying that, that, you know, for physicians who find themselves in this 
cataclysmic cross of worlds where the medical world collides with the legal world. You know, doctors are used to lawyers, um, you know, helping them to create professional associations, helping them to write employment contracts, helping them to uh, navigate Medicare or Medicaid and, you know, and, and those type of things. Those are healthcare lawyers and, and they're great at what they do. But when, when you get involved in the medical malpractice realm, right, now it's adversarial and, and there's at least one lawyer in the process who's, who's trying to say the doctor did something wrong, did something not reasonable. And so I think that's a relatively cataclysmic cross for most physicians. And I, for years, I didn't know what, why they called us attorneys and counselors at law. I was like, you know, put on, put on your big boy or big girl pants and let's, let's go to it. But I recognize now that it's a, it's a relatively um, difficult thing for most physicians to have to deal with. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to see me any more than, than patients wanted to see my dad, who's a dentist. Um, And, and so now the counseling part of the practice is, is pretty big and pretty strong and trying to make people understand uh, or, or help them understand the process. And ATFQ came out of the idea that, that physicians as a group, men, women, uh, wherever they're from, whatever their background may be, have this tendency to, to lock up when it comes to answering questions that come from someone like me or someone on the other side of someone like me. And doctors, physicians answer questions all day, every day. They sit across uh, an exam table or a desk or a hospital bed all day, every day, and a patient or the patient's mother, father, sister, brother, husband, wife, son, daughter say, well, what do you think of this? And the doctor expresses their opinion, their thoughts, their feelings every day. So why, when a lawyer is asking you those questions, do you clam up or do you start, you know, not being able to answer the question? And so it, it came out of this idea that all you got to do is do what you do, right? You know the medicine better than the lawyer does. Now, truth be told, over my career, there have been a few physicians who I don't think knew anything about medicine. Um, <laughs> but, but that's very few and far between, you know, situation. And so ATFQ just was born out of the need to relate to my clients that it's not as hard as you think it is. Just because you're in a different realm doesn't mean that your answer needs to change. It should be the same. If you talk in, in doctor talk when you're talking to patients, then talk in doctor talk when you talk to this lawyer. If you talk in plain language when you're talking to patients, then talk in plain language to this lawyer because I've learned how to translate and all that kind of stuff too. So yeah. I, that's where it all came from. And, and you know, I've been at it now, gosh, almost 30 years. And um, I have a son who was sworn into the bar as a lawyer yesterday, Yay. super proud moment, but it's also one of those moments where you're like, wow, I am old AF. Um, <laughs> you know, that was know. A, a whole nother act, a whole nother acronym with the, with the same F in it. I, I guess I'm, I'm infamous for that. <laughs> but you got that F thing going on. Yeah. And, um, I, I gotta say when you were teaching me that, uh, back in the day, really to translate that to my doctor's this one in particular was just a storyteller. You know, it was never just going to be one word answer. It was going to be, but wait, I want you to understand blah, 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 blah. And what we needed this doctor in particular to get to was 
you really just have to answer the question because when it comes to the law, that's really the most important thing. And it's not about telling the story and let your attorney be the one to take care of that. You know, interestingly, um, there's a group, I'll give them a little plug here called Cogent Edge, uh, led by a guy named Mike Gross, who is a former defense lawyer turned plaintiff's lawyer out West, moved to St. Petersburg, and he's based here now, but they work all over the country. And the theory of giving depositions, I think, in some large method, some large um, degree as a result of Mike's method, um, has changed. We, we, we've, we've changed from trying to survive the deposition to trying to score points during the deposition. It's a harder prep, but it empowers physicians. And, and that's important, you know, very important to empower some, most physicians. You know, there was a unique situation in the, in the case that you and I were involved in because you worked with a pediatrician. And pediatricians have a tendency actually to do well in, in depositions because they're used to talking to parents about their child. They're used to talking to someone about someone else. And so they, mm. they, do, it, they do it quite well. But while we used to really push towards one word answers, now we still want physicians to answer the question. Still ATFQ. Yes, no, maybe, it depends. Yeah. I don't know. I don't recall. Those are all still the answers we want them to give. But then we want them to move on to, to pivot, to, to say why, yes, no, maybe, et cetera. And then to, to take the next step, which is to, to cut the lawyer off at the past to some large degree and be able to say, and I did it that way because it's the appropriate way to do it, or I did it that way because that's the reasonable approach to this particular fact situation. And so we still want doctors to answer the question, but we want them to do that in a way that tells their story, that advocates their case. And you know, with the right amount of training and perhaps some degree of uh, fake it till you make it, um, most physicians, if they'll give us the time that we need to prepare, um, you know, we can get them super ready and, and, and do, do well. Not every case is defensible. Um, almost every case has some factor that mitigates it, but, but, um, you know, there, there are cases I got one in today that, you know, it's just, it's just bad. It's bad all around the physician to his credit admits a mistake and, you know, and, um, the ultimate question in that case is how much damage was really done. And, you know, we don't know the answer to that yet. It just came in today, but, but I think that if physicians can keep in mind that, that the lawyer that's being hired in most cases by your insurance company is someone who's done this a long time. There are not a ton of us out here who do this kind of work, right? I mean, our firm has 40 something lawyers, I think now, and we make up, you know, a, a good number of the lawyers who do this in Florida, um, you know, then, then and put your trust and let that lawyer do the worrying for you. Um, but make time when the lawyer needs you, then you'll do a lot better through the process. Amen. And my goodness, it really does make the difference um, on who is on your team and who is supporting you. Hence why I remember, I don't remember the exact details, but I remember uh, an insurance company not having you at the time on a panel. And I was like, well, I don't want anything to do with anybody else but Jeff Goodis. It does. It means a lot. It means a lot. So I want to, you know, 
when I talked to you, I put that hat back on and went back in the day when I used to just manage a practice. And I came from multi-specialty. So I was way more used to in New York City dealing with a lot, a lot of malpractice suits. And it was, it was just part of, you know, we had 200 doctors and we had orthopedic surgeons and it, it's not so typical to see it in pediatrics. So when I came to Florida, and, you know, it's just a totally different world. And and I know that for a lot of the practice managers or even doctors that watch and listen to the show, that that moment when the, the manager gets that letter, that there's something coming down the pike that is bad. I and mean, if you see it from, you know, Schmorgan, Schmorgan and Flaffigagen, it's not, a, it's not a great thing, you know, and it's the timing of when you tell the doctor and, and who's, how are you going to get the physician to understand that your best interest will be supported if you allow the professional to support you? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard. You know, I, I saw a meme the other day that, that said there's no I in team. And, and then the next slide or next panel was, if you fill in that space in the A, right, you fill in the space between the A and the little hole in the A, there really is an I in team. Um, <laughs> It was cute. And, and it made me think, because I talk about litigation being a team sport all the time, uh, but there is an I in this particular team, and, and that's the lawyer. So if you give the lawyer the chance, you know, physicians want to meet at 6.30 when they're done with their day and, you know, and, and, and you know, that type of thing. Not everybody, but a lot. And you know, we, I, I, I'm one of those crazy guys. I work 6.30 to 6.30, so that's not a problem for me. But, you know, in, in the newest generation of lawyers, some of whom are very, very good, they also have this whole theory of quality of life, which, you know, none of, none of the rest of us ever had. Right, what does that um, mean? Yeah, but, but so they want to meet during regular business hours and they want to go out and have lunch with friends and you're at least pre-COVID and that kind of thing. And that's understandable. So, you know, it, 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 uh, it ruffles me a tad when, you know, when the client's like, I can talk to you from noon to one or, you know, at 630. And after doing it for 30 years, I say, well, you know, I'm happy to have you talk to somebody else during that time. But, I, you know, I work 630 to 630. So if you want to fit it in there, you know, but I do go out and have a lunch or I walk around the block or something to get my mind out of it for a second. And so it, it is a team sport. And it's not my case. It's the physician's case. I'm just the mouthpiece, so to speak. Right. So, so I do want that input because that's valuable from my client. Hey, quick interruption on this amazing podcast, but we have to tell you about our awesome sponsor, Thai Technology. They are so cool and they're here in Tampa Bay, if you're a Tampa Bay listener. Thai Technology is the best voice over IP business phone service company out there. How do I know this? I used to work in telecom before I worked with doctors. That's right. So I know me a good phone system when I see it. Plus, they are integrated with Zoom. They are the only ones that are integrated with Zoom. And if you mention this podcast or you mention the Facebook show, they're going to hook you up with three months for free. Follow them on Facebook and on Instagram, Thai Technology Rocks. I will say that it's it's interesting. Um, you know, malpractice is generational. 
And what do I mean by that? I, I mean, I'm going to be 56 years old here in a couple of weeks. And, and, um, and I don't feel that old, although, and my wife would tell you, I don't act that old. She <laughs> five to six years old, but, <laughs> but I've, so I've been at it a long time. Right. And doctors who are, I don't know, there's no sp sp specific cutoff, but let's just say generally, you know, 45 and older versus, you know, 44 and younger, the younger generation of physicians has been trained to think about malpractice as it relates to a likely part of their practice. Does that mean that they don't care? No, it just means that they've been trained in their medical training to deal with the idea that it's, it's part of the world of medicine in the 21st century and or the 20th century in the 21st century. And so they, they have an ability to, to compartmentalize a little better than my generation of physicians who take it as a personal affront. Mm. You know, I spoke to a physician today, a radiologist who's only been in practice for nine years. He went through the risk management program in med medical school. He knows that the, like, the statistical likelihood is he's going to get named in a lawsuit. All those things are true for him, but he had that kind of old soul vision of being named in a lawsuit, which is this is an affront to my professional integrity. And I'd rather have that, to be honest. I'd rather have a physician who cares enough to be insulted than one who just says, um, it's part of the game. Yeah, take care of this. It's just part of the, it's yeah. part of the practice. And, and, you know, I always liken that when I'm getting a doctor ready for deposition to the discussion of the difference between indignation and righteous indignation. Yeah. You can be righteously indignant and a jury will appreciate it. If you're just indignant, neither the jury nor your patients nor your lawyer or the judge will appreciate it. And so, you know, the, the point of all this is to find that place where you're righteously indignant, find that place where you, where you have the right to be indignant and, and, and focus on that. Don't focus on the, this is, taking up my time. It, it costs me money. It, you know, it, it aggravates my family. Those are all things that are unfortunate byproducts of being named in a medical malpractice lawsuit, but, but they're not things about which any of us can do anything about. So you have to, you know, that's the, the give me the strength, right. To, to deal with those things that I can. And, and, right. and so, so those are the, those are the things I try to focus on with all of my clients is, Look, I'll help you control those things that we can control. Those things that we can't control, let's let's not get upset about those. Let's let's put those in the back of our mind and go forward with the strengths of our case rather than those things that make us feel weak. So true. Well, my goodness, if we can go between ATFQ and the Serenity Prayer, <laughs> my goodness, what we can do together. So, um, Jeff, before you have to go and save the world, let's talk about this new practice that you're in. I mean, I think I came to visit you down in St. Pete. I want to say it was probably 2018. And, you know, I just found out like everything has changed. So <laughs> tell us about the practice that you're currently. Sure. Sure. So I'm the firm that I'm with now is called uh, LaCava. It was called LaCava Jacobson. Um, and now it's LaCava Jacobson and Goodis. And I'm honored to be a member of this group. Uh, Lou LaCava and Carrie Jacobson are lawyers that I've known, gosh, probably 
for almost the entirety of my practice. And Carrie Jacobson was actually my um, just down the street neighbor when when my kids were young. And um, so Lula Cava, I think, is the most prolific medical malpractice defense trial lawyer. He tries more cases than I think anybody else in the state. Mm -hmm. And um, Carrie Jacobson is a very accomplished general liability lawyer for the most part. Um, and uh, so the firm has both, uh, both types of lawyers. And uh, it was an opportunity to, you know, have a change at, at uh, 50 plus years old. And, and I, I think change is a good thing to some large degree. It, it invigorates you or reinvigorates you. And it certainly has me. Um, the firm has offices in Tampa. That's the mothership. Uh, I opened a small St. Pete office because I've practiced here my entire career. And Lou was, was uh, generous enough to say, listen, I don't want you to have to come to Tampa every day. I know you love St. Pete. And God. So, yeah. so here I am in, in St. Pete with a group of lawyers in this office. And, on Central uh, Ave, which is so super cool. Right on Central Avenue, right? I'm on the second floor. I, I am overlooking um, uh, Mastery's and and um, all the, the bars that I'm a little jealous of. It's 3.30 and there's a bunch of people already sitting out there. Um, <laughs> Probably and, that younger generation attorney. Yeah, for right sure. For <laughs> sure. Um, and then we have offices in Naples, West Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, and Jackson, just opened Jacksonville. So... <laughs> We're, um, you know, we're, we're one of the core groups, I think, of, of medical malpractice defense in Florida. And um, it's just a, it's been a real pleasure being here. I joined in March of 2020, um, literally joined March 1st. I went to Nashville, Tennessee on well, Charlotte, North Carolina on March 8th, Nashville on the 9th. I flew back the night of the 9th after depositions in both states and the world pretty much shut down on March 10th. Right. Yeah. So uh, I've been here, you know, a year and seven months or so. And um, it's been amazing. It's, it's the firm has grown since I've joined my practice has grown and um, the, the level of support that I get here with, with the quality of lawyers that we have has just been really been amazing. My, uh, my old firm is made up of great lawyers. They're great people. They do a great job. Um, and I'm I'm uh, I'm sad that I'm not with those friends of mine that are still there, but I'm I'm just as lucky as I can be that I got an opportunity to to do a statewide deal, and uh, even luckier to have my name on the door and the recognition that that brings. So so I'm uh, I could not be happier about being in a situation where I get to uh, to work out the last. I'd like to say 10, but the reality is more like probably 12. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we never know. Yeah. Um, so do you have your name on the elevator button anymore? Uh, we don't, we're on the mezzanine. So ah. we just escalator and, um, and I, I don't guess they probably would have put my name on the escalator uh, treads or the, the, the handrail. <laughs> um, but, but we do have a, we do have a big sign in the lobby and, and um, even though, it's not on our website because I, I think our web designer didn't think it was as tasteful as I did. We have a big neon sign in the lobby now, as big as the picture of my dog behind me that says, trust me, I'm a lawyer in neon. So. <laughs> oh God, I love that. That is amazing. So um, Jeff, 
you know, a lot has changed and um, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be me if I, I didn't ask you this question, being an attorney and living in a pandemic and working with something as sensitive as malpractice. Um, since you've seen me in 2019, I released a book called The Broken Road to Mental Health in Life and in Business about my own journey. I'm 27 years sober. We've probably never had this conversation. I have no idea if we did or not. Um, and wrote about how I suffered terribly from depression. Your daughter is 22. I was 21 when I got sober and was just coming out of this horrible depression. So I always think about that when I think about young people today and where they're at in their life and their career. And, you know, I've had this glorious, you know, business, um, businesses and worked in the most prestigious field with physicians, but, and a lot of my friends are attorneys. So I have to ask you, um, how is your, your mental health during all of this right now, Jeff? Um, well, I think it depends on who you ask that question, but since you're asking me, I'll give you my impression. I, there were certainly some, some, I wouldn't call them dark times, but certainly some frustrating times over the last, you know, since March of, of 2020 and, and the shutdown. I, um, I'm not sure how I would phrase it, blessed or lucky or what the right word is, but I went to the office every day of the pandemic because people started dropping off, right? They started the work from home and, and all that kind of stuff. And I got to, to work from home or I got to work from the office in an environment that was frankly more peaceful and you know uh, more uh, conducive to what I want to do than it would have been at home because my kids came home from college and law school. Um, you know, and not that I don't love my kids, but but they're trying to do class while I'm trying to work. It wasn't possible. And so I got to spend a lot of time, um, you know, by myself, really. Mm -hmm. And I never was a by myself person before. I was an open door. I was wandering around the halls. I was, you know, I'm a, I'm a very social person. And I think that period of uh, introspection served me well. Mm -hmm. I, um, I, I started to really kind of recognize where my weaknesses were. I mean, I think it's difficult to admit you have weaknesses, but when you do, you know, as you know, from 27 years sober, when you admit you have a problem, that's when you start to solve it. Right. And so as a result, I've been able to delegate more. I've been able to trust more. I've been able to, um, mentor a little more and, um, and that's one of the reasons that I came to this firm was to, to be, I wouldn't say in charge, but, but involved in the, in the development of young lawyers and the people for the future. So I'd say my mental health is pretty good. I mean, I, you know me well enough to know that, that uh, I consider myself more of a stress giver than a stresser. I, uh, Great. Yes, you are a happy man. So I, I feel, I feel good. I, I, I'm, um, I'm glad to be doing what I'm doing. And, you know, I had, a, I, I told someone yesterday, I had a dream two nights ago and, and I remember it for whatever reason, because I typically don't. And I, I dreamed that I took a whole day off and put my phone in a drawer. Whoa. <laughs> and, and I said, I said, well, what do you think that dream is trying to tell me since I never put my phone in a drawer? It's sitting on the table next to me. I, I to not look at it as like gives me spilkus. But I um, I, uh, I I know that I, I need to do that more. And, and my wife and I were just in New Orleans this past week. And, and um, 
on one of the days I, I was super busy, but on the other day I, um, I put, I left my phone on the table and we went for a walk and just, you know, did some fun kind of quasi touristy stuff. And, and that's good for you. So I, I, um, I kind of get it now when, when these younger people say, I got to have some quality of life. They don't want to get to my age and be burned out. They want a career that includes time with friends and family and that type of thing. It's still difficult for me to deal with, but I understand at least the motivation for it now. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think this was a great time of introspection for, for so many. And for you to be able to change, you know, offices and, and your practice. And, you know, some people, 2020 hit of, of March and just went, and other people just saw it as an opportunity to grow and change and flourish. So I'm really, I'm, I'm just so happy to be able to talk to you, Jeff. I don't even give a shit that we're on this podcast. You know that. I think it's great. I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy to know that you're healthy. I mean, look, he's got a, a dog behind him. He knows about ATFQ and the serenity prayer. What more can you want in a man? <laughs> Your wife is a lucky woman. I, I feel like, um, you know, the, the, I don't think you can watch TV without knowing the serenity prayer, right? If, you, if you've ever watched Law and Order, you've seen somebody say the, the serenity um, prayer. Yes. <laughs> and um, and uh, I can't remember the name of that great Netflix show where the guy runs a group for alcoholics and addicts. And, um, and so they say the, the prayer at the beginning of, of every right. meeting. But I uh, know about this show. Oh, it's so good. I can't I have to figure it out. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know a lot about the program and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I've had some family members who, you know, who did it and certainly a number of friends who, who still do it to this day. Um, but, but I do, I do know that you can't, um, you certainly cannot correct your weaknesses till you figure out you have them. Um, yeah. I'm very fond of, of saying that, that I know that I have all the attributes of an asshole. Um, and I often act like an asshole, but I know that I am not. And people say, well, how do you know that? And I said, because I admit it. Right. right. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That yeah. is correct. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't think there's a better note to leave this interview <laughs> on. So, Jeff, thank you so much for being here. All the information about how to get a hold of you and, and the great practice that you are involved in today uh, will be in the show notes. Thanks so much. Karen. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a review or share it with somebody you know and care about that would benefit from listening. But more importantly, if you are thinking about advertising your business in the year 2021, sponsoring a podcast is major. 44% of people pay more attention to advertising on podcasts than any other media. And 37% agree that advertising on a podcast is actually the best way to reach them. 70% have considered a new product or service after hearing an ad on a podcast. And I'm one of those people. And this is all according to Edison Research. Don't believe me, believe the research. So if you're interested in sponsoring, give us a shout.